0: Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is a podcast. Today I have a guest from the UK, Anais Como. And come on in, Anais, and go ahead and let us know about your work as a career strategist
1: absolutely thank you so much for having me april uh very excited to be here with you this morning with me this afternoon um so a little bit more about me you probably hear from the accent or even from the name my name is anais i'm french but i've been living here in the uk for eight years now so time flies when you're having fun Uh, i'm a career strategist which means that i essentially work with uh, professionals who are looking to make the most out of their career they usually are the place whereby it's like a cross path and they're just wondering you know where should they head next um when i'm talking about the professionals i'm working with i actually work a lot with women nothing against men married to one but i've realized through starting this work um there were a lot of common themes coming back again such as negotiating your salary having self-confidence how to position yourself and your messaging when you're in a room surrounded by hundred percent of men for example so yeah this is kind of what I do in a a very nutshell but I know we're going to have a chance to impact this together
0: okay so you you work primarily with women yes and I think before we started recording you mentioned a lot of these women are in a career transition can you talk about how you came into that niche
1: That's very, yeah, that's a very good point. So actually it sort of came to me as an, I, when I started, I knew I wanted to do the career coaching in the sense of like finding your purpose, because essentially I've experienced burnout very, very early in my career. And that very early made me question my relationship with work and how did I wanted to navigate my career? Because I was in my Like early 20s and I thought if this is it for the next like 40 50 years of my life it's gonna be very long and painful right Mm -hmm. so for me the whole like work and career was super important in the sense of like finding a healthy relationship I see it like any relationship you've got friendships you've got romantic friendships or romantic relationships sorry and work is the same it's a relationship so you have to find a healthy balance that definitely works for you and so, in that context, um, I definitely set up my coaching in a way that was tapping into a lot of introspection to make sure that people fully know themselves and therefore had the right keys to help them set up a career that would be in alignment with them, their personalities, and their values. And yeah, in that context, I set up a program that was definitely dedicated around those areas. So, naturally, I think I started to work with more and more people who were in that sort of transition phase. And usually, what happens is that They've been working for like seven, 10 years, and the young version of them who, you know, finished their studies or just decided to start their career was like, I want to go to X, Y, and Z level. I want to achieve X amount of responsibilities. And now that they've had it, they just realize what's next, or they just realize this is not necessarily the route that they want to continue to pursue anymore obviously working with women I do have a lot of my clients who have become mothers as well and their priorities has completely changed their world has changed upside down so we are working together to realign all of this to
0: make sure that it works for them at home but obviously at work as well okay and you mentioned that you come from France yes. uh, did you find that a lot of your clients are also coming from France or are they local to you so yeah, fun fact, uh definitely have a lot of, I would say maybe 50% of the clients
1: I work with are French speaking, which means I also have some people, for example, from Canada, the East Coast, because we just have five hours difference. So it's very much manageable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I would say 50% of French speaking between Canada, the US, and uh here in, in London slash the UK, definitely have a lot of people from here. I don't necessarily have a lot of people who are Born and bred in the same country, I think it's probably because of my profile as well. Like you probably Mm. can tell that I'm not a native English speaker. There is an additional layer to, you know, who I am and how I ended up where I am today. So I think, yeah, there is something that I also have my client navigate, especially in the context of relocating or going to another country or coming back home, actually to their home country, because they just feel like after a couple of years or a decade, they're ready to go back to their families.
0: Can we talk a little bit about your own personal experience with um, your journey uh, moving to the UK and um, and starting this business? Because it sounds like you had a past a past life. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you did previously for work, and then how you ended up where you are now.
1: Absolutely happy to thank you for that. Be ready, brace yourself, because we're going to take a, a a walk down memory lane a little bit, but essentially i started working i'm at the stage of my life where i've worked as much as i've lived if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh there we go so my relationship with work actually started when i was passing my a level i think it's the equivalent of a level do you say a level in the u.s
0: i don't actually know what a level is so no high school diploma you know when okay, you're yeah, 18 high years school. old is it 18 mm-hmm. yeah there mm-hmm. we go uh so yeah
1: baccalaureate in france a level in the uk and high school in the u.s there we go. Okay. We've got three three countries covered yeah essentially I was working 17 hours per week at McDonald's um in parallel of of studying for that so that was quite intense um and actually I realized through that that I just really enjoyed the whole like going very quick and meeting a lot of people and it was just very fast but very structured at the same time and in parallel when I was studying my um my high school uh, diploma was very much around the languages side of things. I just enjoyed the whole like speaking another language. So I was studying English and Spanish as well. Oh, wow. Very, yeah. very long story short. I ended up then taking like a two-year technical degree after high school. And this involved um, a mandatory internship abroad. Okay. And I thought, I love English so much. I want to go to London. And so my first actually visit London was... oh. Uh, 12 13 years ago now can't remember um but yeah I had a month there of internship and I just yeah I just had a blast and I was there with a friend as well but I just enjoyed the speaking English all day long basically back then I didn't hear understand like 100% of it but I was trying my best and yeah. I realized I need to go back to that country and I was just yeah uh, 18 years old at the time
0: oh wow so I thought
1: yeah I'm not finished with this country uh <laughs> Then I went back to my study, you know, when you're French, and I think it's the case for most of European countries, you don't just go through your bachelor degree, you actually go all the way up to your master degree, you pick a field of speciality, and then you start working, which, you know, uh, in, for example, a country like the UK, you tend to go through your bachelor, you then go to work, you see what you like, what you don't, and then later down the line, you go through an MBA or another type of right, master's. Yeah. There you go. I think it's the same in the U.S., isn't it?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, some people do go straight to the master's if they are very dedicated <laughs> and have the money, you know, but sometimes you have to stop and work for a few years to to save the money to do a, a master's because usually um, the bachelor's programs have more um scholarships available. But master's, yeah. either your work needs to help sponsor it or, you know, you're going to be paying
1: yeah. And I think to be honest, like there are pros and cons to both approach. But what I like in terms of the one that you have, for example, here in the US is that it just allows you, especially when you're young, you still don't know much in terms of what you like, what you enjoy, mm-hmm. to realize which field speciality you want to go into. But in, in France, it just doesn't go this way. I mean, you could, but it's just not the norm. So I ended up going through all the way up to the master degree, knowing I wanted to work abroad. Um, knowing I actually love the whole like internationality side of things and enjoying the um, relationship building and so on so I mean very long story short I ended up focusing into uh, becoming a buyer working in procurement I don't okay. know if that rings a bell yeah yeah, yeah. it does
0: okay cool. like um, of physical products or like services
1: services actually yes so indirect services so very much what a company needs you know to be fully working so for example it could be electricity it could be like the facilities of the building that they have their employees Mm -hmm. in obviously this was before covid um but yeah these kinds of things and um i ended up actually doing an internship for one year in france um so focusing solely into that for, for one year which is very good because Even though they get you to go all the way up to the master, it usually involves one year, like a gap year, which usually Mm -hmm. some people use for travel. Here in Europe, we usually use that gap year to actually do um, professional experience, which means that you've got some leverage additionally to your diploma. To be employed by a company after mm-hmm. you finish your studies so i did that and i had a blast because i was involved in a project with 17 countries so i would start my day with australia then with europe then finish my days with america love that oh wow i love the relationship building yeah i really really enjoyed that and actually this is when um i did my first burnout because i was very much involved in that project I actually took on that project someone burned out before me, like the person who was in charge initially of that project. She just had to go. She was just she was just overwhelmed by the whole piece. And I ended up with like an Excel spreadsheet with like forty thousand lines of items that were purchased across those 17 countries. I just had to coordinate the whole thing. Yes, yes, massive thing, like just hitting me in the face and I was super keen, super motivated, energetic. You know, I've been waiting years to actually come to that internship because it took me some time to get there in the sense of like going through the the, the studying and stuff. And so I just really was keen to make it work. And obviously my uh, manager, she was very keen and obviously wanted to, you know, trust me in the process because she saw me very energetic and enthusiastic. So she let me go. Until the point where we were in a meeting room, she asked me questions about like, specific question around like the next step of the project my brain went blank stop functioning like anais.x has stopped functioning you know like this whatever oh no. screen that you get in your computer sometimes that was yeah really, like, just...
0: <laughs> does not compute oh no so yeah. i mean was it just temporary or was it
1: so it was actually this one thing but i could like the stress has been built up for like a couple of weeks before that you know, in terms of sleep it was not great uh, in terms of eat, it, it wasn't great either so, you know it just started to take a toll on my personal life as well and so we had a conversation i took a week off and we just, you know, reorganized the whole thing. She was more hands-on. She led a little bit more and I was more on the backup. We find a way to make it work. Okay. But yeah, essentially, because at that point, I had been working for six years in parallel of my work. So I knew all about, you know, working and so on, even though those were student jobs. It was not like a discovery of the working world to me. However, this was supposed to be my life. like I was supposed to, you know, do that for the rest of my life, if you put it this way. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is just going to be so painful. You know, this
0: is just not what I imagine. The constant stress and pressure. Exactly. that. Was it the manager that you were working with? Is it the same one who had also experienced burnout or had that person already left? No, it was actually the same manager. Okay, And so together, you both were working at maybe 50 percent and just trying to get through.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just push it through the line.
0: So one of my side jobs that I have right now is I've been helping um, write resumes. And one of the very most recent ones that I just finished, um, she was in procurement. And so I learned a little bit about that. So there's a lot of negotiation too. Were you doing the, like, watching when the contracts were going to renew every year or two and then having to negotiate?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So this is where the complexity comes in because you essentially have 17 countries who did their own negotiation with their own suppliers. You're trying to consolidate the whole thing, identify suppliers who can cover those 17 countries with what they need, Mm -hmm. and like negotiate the whole terms of the contract. So this is where
0: we were at the stage of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that being high pressure. So how long did you stay in that position? So I did one year. This was between my master
1: one and master two.
0: Okay,
1: got back to finish my master. And then at the end of that, you obviously have to find like a final internship. And so in my case, I went back to these guys because I just love them. Even though I did a burnout, you know, I like any relationship, it was a 50-50. I should have shouted sooner. They should have supported me better. But like essentially, you know, I, I see it as like a, a both, both ways of taking responsibilities. And so I really enjoyed the people who I was working with.
0: But they were the supportive. Itself,
1: exactly. Even though the work was high pressure, they were great people. Mm-hmm. So I went back to them and said, guys, you know, if you've got anything, let me know. And I went to one person in particular who was, you know, looking after me during that one year. And he was like, he, he moved company in the meantime. He worked for EY, a uh, big four accounting firm, you know, like um, you've got EY, you've got Deloitte, you've got PwC, uh, those ones.
0: I don't know accounting firms, but keep going. It's okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> Essentially, it's, it's a big, big firm. And he worked for them he gave my cv to the head of procurement back then, who was french too she saw my cv because i did like an infographic cv and she just loved it she was like we need to give this frenchie a chance uh she can go to italy spain or england what does she want it was like red
0: carpet i was like oh my god so yeah so i decided to go back to london of course you did this. but you've had also yeah. studied spanish at that point yes so were you communicating with people with colleagues in spain as well so when I was involved into the procurement work
1: with countries, you know, for example, in Latin America, with Mexico, yes, I was speaking, I mean, it was a broken Spanish, but yeah, definitely was trying to, to keep keep up with my Spanish level at that point. I would have not negotiated an entire contract in Spanish, but yeah, it was able to maintain a day-to-day conversation. Right. Okay. That's fun. Exactly. So yeah, so we're in 2015 now and I've just moved to London working in procurement and um, and yeah, started to do the same thing I was doing before, but we've seen a different setup and layout. Um, I was working essentially in the scope of UK this time around, not globally, just in okay. UK. Uh, so that was a change of pace, a change of scenery. And I had a blast again, met fantastic people. And then after a year, they gave me an opportunity to be part of the global team. So very much alike to the thing I was doing back in France. Right. Accepted it straight away, had fun. Again, this one. I think it was like 14 countries I had was yeah a good project it was office stationery so you know the pen the paper all of these kinds of things oh okay. you would think it's pretty yeah you would think it's pretty straightforward but actually it isn't when each country is doing their own thing I just had to consolidate mm. and here again I ended up into this sort of similar project so I could see that part of me was starting to feel yeah there we go the stress the pressure coming back up again I would show up in the office on Saturday morning just to be ready for the next week ahead. I was like, "Oh, those are not healthy patterns that I can keep oh, having." No. <laughs> but I just boost through. and this time around, actually, I mean, I was very honest with my my manager. He was very supportive. Uh, It was, I think, it was I was one of these his first manager as well, so he was finding his feet as a manager. Like we had a very honest, transparent, supportive relationship. But yeah, essentially, even though I didn't do like a burnout like I did in Paris, I ended up having read plaque on my body uh what do you mean red, like
0: a big like, like hives? red rashes
1: red yeah. rashes
0: okay yeah From oh, wow. from stress yep wow it's like an allergic yep. reaction to stress pretty much
1: yeah or allergic relation to work if you want to put it this way but yeah and so my boyfriend at the time now husband obviously saw that and he was like well I mean this is your sign that you just have to do something about it right like if you're telling me it's under control, it's under control. But right now, I can see it's not. Like it's your body talking to you right now. So we have to do something about this.
0: Was it like shingles? I don't know what shingle is. Shingles is it's like quite big, isn't it? Nerve pain too. Nerve, it's like shooting pain. So maybe it wasn't shingles, but shingles can also come from stress. It's kind of like chickenpox for grownups and very, but... very, very painful. Um, yeah.
1: So, so maybe you're just more
0: dermatolo- yeah. dermatologic.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was very located here as well, which was quite fun. You know, the speaking. Right where you can see. (laughs) As well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so, yeah, in that context, I was like, I have to do something different. I mean, I've been working for a couple of years now in in that particular place. I was like, I have to do something. It has to be different. And obviously this particular firm, so it's an accounting slash consulting firm. And so I actually thought I could be a consultant because this would mean I would be changing projects more regularly because this thing I was involved with, I was involved with for like, more than a year you know it's the same thing for over a year mm-hmm. it's very very heavy mm-hmm. so I thought actually changing the pace scenery type of people I'm involved with could work for me because I know I love relationship with people right so I identified that I wanted to become a consultant obviously they offered me you know a couple of positions one in, in like Dublin Island one a year in London with their firm and I was like I think I need a change of scenery like entirely okay um so I ended up working as a consultant for a company that had like less than 100 people again Great people, like I've joined for the people, had a blast, like they were fantastic. They were consultants, so very keen to like deliver high quality work and work, you know, with their clients. It was quite like still a high pace, high standard, but they were also very much, you know, humanly approach, making sure that, you know, everybody in the team was comfortable and so on. So, yeah, work with them and did various projects. That was fun. I was like supportive on the back end. So for once I was not in the front end, which was very much easy for me or easier at least for, for for a while and then I got put on a project where I was in the in a front run um with a fantastic person and um we actually end up in a project where um we essentially I want to make sure that I take my time choose my words because I know there is a level of confidentiality here but yeah essentially we ended up in a project whereby the company in the industry we were in was very traditional in its approach so we had to find ways to optimize how they were working you know the whole like their costs versus their revenue trying to maximize as much what they were doing because they were just losing a lot of money versus how much they were making oh, no. so yeah this was a year long project and a very long story short is that they i mean we the work we did involved a redundancy plan um which means you know unfortunately we had to let go of of a certain amount of people and
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was very hard for me uh mm-hmm. because I was like ah, that's not what I want to be doing with my life I mean right. I hear that the work and the job has to be done but I've got a very much ethical conflict right and, here
0: and you were involved in the like the layoff
1: so involved in the sense that we identify you know which areas m- might be impacted I was not involved in those direct conversations but okay. was involved in the preparation so that they have mm-hmm. all the information they had to navigate those conversations mm-hmm. And yeah right here i just had like a massive conflict of um values in the sense that it had to be done and it was done with like we followed the procedure there's no problem about that but i was just like i want to be here for people i don't want to be there to you know destroy their life or just get them to be redundant uh mm-hmm. so yeah it just didn't work for me and i was at the stage whereby because i had my master degree i felt like i had a lot of knowledge and i was like you know pretty much hitting the ground running and I was not learning new things you know I just needed something new something to like feed me intellectually as well I hit like almost a plateau if you'd like in terms of like knowledge and in terms of discovering new things and challenging myself out of my comfort zone as you can probably tell by now I do love when things are just you know changing regularly and getting out of my comfort
0: zone variety is the spice of life I like to say (laughs) here we are
1: and and yeah, in that context, I, was like, I just I just need to do something different. I need something else in my life. And so I just went into what could I do? And for you know what, I could actually explore personal development, opportunities and avenues. And um, again, very long story short, I ended up identifying like a two days coaching a course that was being held in london like a taster so you get to come and you get to see what coaching is about understanding the fundamentals of it i was like you know what? yes i've heard about this thing don't know exactly what it's about it's not gonna arm me in any way it's just gonna be a nice way for me to learn something new meet some other people da, da, da. Yeah. when there uh, it was saturday and sunday come back home Saturday night and I was like this is amazing and so my boyfriend again was just like oh my god like have they given you like any drugs or like what happened to them oh my goodness (laughs) yeah it's just like one of those love at first sight you know revelations like this has to be in my life I don't know how when which format it has to be in my I need to do more of these Like this is really energizing me right Mm -hmm. um so yeah so this was what was that I think yeah five years ago now Here it is five years ago. And so I just passed my coaching qualification in parallel of my consulting work. So yeah, this is where I think we'll build up because obviously the the title of us is, you know, yes, I work from home. And so we'll talk about that. But this is where this project, this consulting project I was doing was really intense because we had to be on client site every day. I think it was something like an, an hour commute one way so it was two hours a day or something mm-hmm. like that like and it was like a 20 minute walk from the stage it was good for your health you know but it was just right very long, that's, that's very longer long. exactly and so it was very much like i would wake up at six i would do the coaching for an hour at seven i would have breakfast 7 30 i would leave the house to be there by nine and that night i would come back and i would do some coaching uh calls to pass my coaching qualification so yeah, for like six to eight months, I, I live like a I live like a double life. Right, um, <laughs> one foot uh, in both worlds. Exactly. Uh, holding it or trying to hold it together. And, uh, and essentially, I just put it in my diary, which was August 2019, which was four years ago. Yeah, almost. Um, And I just said, by this time, I'll have three months worth of rent outside. I'll have three months to solely focus on this full time. I'll make it work, and I just have to go and try this thing for myself now. That's what happened.
0: Just in time for a
1: pandemic? Exactly. That. Well, funny you said that. Actually, at this point, we had Brexit, which was fun as well. In oh, terms right. Of setting oh, my goodness. You were that's already okay. in the, <laughs> in the that's deeps okay. of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so far, I had Brexit, and then, obviously, pandemic hit more around March 2020, obviously, on, on that side of the globe. And yeah, now recession. So yeah, uh it's been fun for the past four years. But essentially, I'm so glad that all of those steps have happened because each of them have told me a couple of things. First of all, it's really important for me to have uh people that I'm working with that I can build a relationship that is, you know, healthy and is trusted. And this is what happened with my with my previous you know corporate experience. But what is also important to me is to love what I do, to have you know meaning in what I do. And I just didn't get that from Excel spreadsheets and being involved into projects that just meant people were made redundant. Or we just had to save X amount of money for like the pen and the paper we were buying. It has to be done. And, and you know, I absolutely respect people who are doing that because there is a lot of fun that can be found from that. But for me, it's just the people, essentially. I know it's a little yeah. bit cheesy. But yeah.
0: So it sounds like you're really into the relationship building part of your work. And I know there's like a whole... Business in just that, but the procurement with the contracts negotiation, that was a lot of relationship building. So, what did you take from your corporate life now into your career strategist work? Question structure.
1: I love my Excel spreadsheets. Like as I was just you know preparing for today, I was just closing it. I do have my KPI's dashboard, and you know, I've got a lot of Excel spreadsheets. I love my processes. Every person that works with me gets their own contract. You know, I love the whole structure around uh, that I I obviously got taught in corporate life that I'm I'm taking now with me. Um, Also, it's not necessarily something I took with me, but something I I remember every day is how lucky I am to get to choose, you know, my rhythm. Obviously, we'll talk about that in in a more detailed way. But, you know, the whole rhythm imposed by corporate life just didn't work for me um i mean i've been lucky enough to come to london so i didn't got burdened too much by uh, some of the french culture that you sometimes find lucky for us it's getting less and less especially with covid but there is this whole culture in in certain either types of industry or types of roles whereby you've got this whole which means you know you have to be present so it means it's not about the work that you do is what time do you show up to work what time do you leave work if you leave sooner than that it means you're not doing your part regardless of how much you're delivering there you go i can see your face see yeah
0: There go. i mean that's Uh, that's a very traditional idea that a lot of companies from certain countries or certain generations still abide by like that that idea is you know we say butts in seats like as long as your bottom is in your chair you must be working uh, where some people do better in you know a four-hour workday or a two-hour spurt and then come back yeah absolutely yeah exactly so I mean I think this model is broken and
1: obviously COVID has made a lot of awful things there's been a lot that has happened which is very unfortunate but some of the positive that came up is that companies have been ev- like forced to evolve yeah. some of them came back to the traditional way but yes. i've noticed <laughs> a change i've noticed that some of them took that curve and be like you know what we realized they're actually more motivated
0: when we give them more freedom so by all means right. carry on right i like to say that it pushed work from home forward probably about five years yes. in my opinion agreed agreed
1: yeah 100 i would agree with that um, so yeah, so in a nutshell, uh, that's where I am. And obviously no brainer for me when I started my own business, I, it had to be from home, uh, because I didn't have any money I could invest in being in your office
0: as well. Right. So, yeah. But is it necessary in your line of work to have an office? Cause it's this is working question. for you, right? Exactly. It's a very good point.
1: And a lot of people, are, oh my God, like you're working from home all day long. It supposed to be like very like um training or hard not to see people and i got a couple of things to say back on that is that first of all on the usual day i either speak and or meet with like five to six different people so it's very uh very people driven and yeah. uh, very energetic. And the conversation I do have are very, very deep. It's not yeah. like, oh, hi, how was you again? Da, da, da. No, it's like, okay, where are you when it comes to finding your values, your purpose? You know, it's very much yeah. intentional. So this works. And also, I can't have an office because, should I have an office like in a co working space, for example, to meet people? I'll be locked in a booth. Like all of my conversations are 100% confidential. Right. There is no point of me renting a booth surrounded by people. I'd rather be at home by myself, comfortable taking a break when I want to and quietly, you know, taking a break as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Does your husband also work from home? He tends to work from home, I would say, one to two
1: days a week. Okay.
0: Yeah. My husband's home two days a week right now. There we go. Um, And I was just curious, how does that work for you when you're both there? So one fact, when COVID hit, we had a one bedroom
1: flat. It was a very much a cocoon. We love this place, but it was a cocoon. It was our (laughs) first place together. Very cozy, like super central London. So rent super expensive. So we had great location, but a very little space. Yes. So yeah, at that point, we obviously worked from home all the time, the two of us. And it was very hard in the sense that it was very yeah I don't know how to describe it but the intensity you know you just you didn't have space to to wind down like wherever you were going one was in the bedroom one was in the living room which was also the kitchen yes there, there was laptop and there, there was yep. work involved in a sense yep. so yeah that was hard and we realized that we were still in the pandemic because obviously this thing we thought will just pass after a couple of months no it took years right to get away from that um but anyhow um we actually realized we are literally paying a premium to be central london where we just don't have access to shops and restaurants because they're still closed so uh, yeah so we decided to move in this place right now i would say yeah two years a little bit more than two years ago now and we really made sure that we had one, obviously two bedrooms and we had one bedroom, which was this one, which is mine, which is a spare bedroom for guests. And we had also our own bedroom. We does have a space, like a separate space where you can have his desk, Good. which means the living room and kitchen is a safe space away from any work for the both of us. And mm-hmm. this works to answer your question.
0: Yeah. when uh, During the pandemic, we had um, my husband and I were both working from home and we had three children <laughs> who were working from home for their school and so we had um one person in the kitchen and four people working in well three people working in bedrooms and me working in a closet oh wow but the tricky part was the person in the kitchen nobody could go in and just start like cooking or washing the dishes because it was too noisy for the video call that he was in and so we had to adjust and how did you adjust um My husband was originally working in my son's bedroom. And then my daughter would be in her bedroom. My little girl would be in the living room and my son would be in the kitchen. And we eventually moved my husband also into our bedroom. So when his work gave him a desk and a chair, like they paid for it, we just put it right next to our bed. I mean, there really wasn't a choice because we have a small home. And um, and that got my my son up into his own bedroom. My kindergartner was basically just running around the house all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that first year was pretty rough. Um, mm-hmm. and they were home. They were home for sixteen months, and now they're at, back at school. So I work um either in this is a closet um attached to my my bedroom, and my husband's still in our bedroom. and then the rest of the house is, you know, the kids are back in school now. Um, So sometimes I switch to the kitchen just for a change of pace if I um, if I'm working on something that doesn't require a video call or if it's just my husband and I at home together, he'll sometimes just wait to cook (laughs) Um, if I'm in a call. And does that work for you? It's working. Um, I have back problems. And so um, I have to have changing locations at times just to to different chairs are better. And right now my kitchen chair is working for me, Um, sometimes better than this one. That's official. Um, My husband, sometimes if he's not here, then I'll work at his desk as well. He has a sit-stand desk. And so sometimes I'll stand at his desk. Yeah, that's what you're using? Yes. I was wondering if you were standing I am
1: yes I can I mean I will see I mean it's it's uh we'll see where this conversation takes us I usually do half half like when I've got an hour call I do 30 minutes standing 30 minutes seating but for now I'm feeling good so yeah yeah I would say anyone listening this anyone either already working from home or considering working from home definitely if you've got the space and the budget for it investing in the standing desk is the best thing that you could do especially if you work from home like all week long all day and all week long
0: So, technically, the desk that I have here in the closet was like an old version of a sit-stand desk, um, but it was manual. And I can lift it high, um, and then I can put my computer up on like a riser or some boxes, even. But I can't do that easily in the middle of an hour call. Like it would be, and I would be be going back to back to back to back to back with my clients or with my um, students because I was teaching as well. Um, and so if only if I had a break in between, could I actually make that transition? And it was just too cumbersome. Um, so I'm more likely to, because my workflow has changed, I'm more likely to just change locations. Okay. Which works? I yeah. As long as it works for me. Because at my um, kitchen table, it's a tall table. And oh, so perfect. I can either stand at it or I can sit in my chair, which is a high up chair. Awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your current workflow. And yeah. um, you said you meet with five or six clients a day. Um, are you keeping a regular schedule? Or are you still doing the early mornings and late evenings to catch your clients outside of their work hours?
1: So uh, I usually meet with five to six people a day. But mm-hmm. in terms of clients, so in terms of like proper coaching, I would say it's between six to seven uh hours a week I can't do too many coaching calls in a day because obviously they're very much you know intense in the sense that I need to be focused properly you know um here to support my clients so I would say in terms of the schedule I think this was your question right schedule related at the beginning I would just do everything like all together uh especially when I first started obviously we didn't talk about that but Like, you know, I've just had three months set aside to pay the rent and then set up my business. Take years to set up your business. So (laughs) actually after three months, I didn't have any money set aside. I had a student loan to pay back and I just had to find ways to pay the rent as well. So I actually ended up doing some freelancing coaching, which was perfect because it still allowed me to you know grow my coaching experience as well. And, you know, finalize in terms of the approach I wanted to follow, blah, blah, blah. The point is, with the freelancing work I was doing, it was like a massive wave in my face of like the time that was required of me. So I ended up having things all over the place. Like I got in I just I just said yes to everything, yep. didn't have any structure. Took me a couple of like months and even years to do the setup, and even like on a yearly basis, I revised that. But long story short, I do have meeting freeze Mondays and Fridays. So if you want to get a hold of me and have a conversation, it's happening between Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. Uh, full disclosure anyone again listening to this this is a monday so this the monday we we having a meeting if you can put it this way but this is not what i consider a meeting it's a fantastic conversation with you april and it, this is exactly why i saved this space like mondays mm-hmm. are very much about um working on the business with my personal assistant or with my social media manager is doing the things strategically for the business that i know are going to help me the projects i want to work on or having fun times like right now yeah. and then Tuesday to Thursday, very much focused days on the coaching side of things or meeting new people, because I also offer free discovery session. I do rely on the fact that everybody on this planet should be able to be happy at work, mm-hmm. even though it might mean that work is actually something that you have to do because you have to pay rent. That's OK. But let's find a way for you to like practically make it work. What's being uh, to an extent happy. So right. I do have also those calls um during the week. And then Friday, I have put that in place for like the past six months.
0: I usually finish at 2 p.m. Good. Yeah. So yeah. Monday, you're doing a podcast, but um, podcasting is kind of like marketing for entrepreneurs because it's getting your face out there and, um, you know, I'm sharing the word, you're sharing the word. Um, you also run your own podcast, right? Her Code? I do. Yeah. Is it absolutely. called Her Code
1: it's called her career her code yes because I do have guests to talk about the careers why don't you tell us about that absolutely yes so um I mean again you probably know that after I don't know how many minutes with me now I do love people I do love conversations I do love these things and so (laughs) yeah selfishly speaking to be honest I thought actually I'd love to I've, because I do have like I'm very very lucky with my work I've got privileged conversations on a mm-hmm. daily basis with women who are being completely open and transparent about where they are where they want to go da, da, da. and what I've realized is that it's selfish of me to just have those one conversation one-on-one I mean it's important for them to know that they're not alone facing the similar you know challenges like essentially for anybody wherever you are in your career or wherever you are just in life in general like there is probably someone else on this planet who does face the same challenges and so I thought it was really important for me to get those stories out there as to the challenges that potentially people have overcome in their career or even the things that have happened that they're just proud to talk about and so on so this is how the whole podcast came up
0: and I uh, mean yeah that's similar to mine for you yeah there you go (laughs) What happened for yours? What was the idea behind the podcast? Well, my son asked, and I I didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you have anything more? I I (laughs) Um, did, but I'll I'll pick it up after. Don't worry. My son asked me on Saturday at our family lunch, mom, what is the point of your podcast? (laughs) And I was like, and basically I just said what you said. You know, I I wanted people to be able to know that they're not alone in working from home and that if someone else has overcome a challenge, um, maybe someone listening will learn from that and it'll help them
1: absolutely love that well exactly the same philosophy behind mine I mean this is one of the reasons I was so happy and excited to be on yours thank you very much again for having me and um, and so yeah and, and so the whole podcast essentially aims at bringing women from different you know industries and backgrounds to share their stories and um I did the first season last year and he ended up being listened into like 47 countries, which I didn't plan for and I thought so exciting. The whole thing around you know me working with expats from all over the globe and for those who don't know that uh, an expat is obviously someone who lives outside you know their native country obviously this is who I am being French and living here in London mm-hmm. and I thought okay there is something here so this this season two that I already started and, and putting out there been very intentional about still opening it to you know any uh, industries and type of profile um, but I've actually tried to as much possible um, vary the type of uh, national That they were from just to get a a variety of profiles. Right. And yeah, this has been fun because essentially the uh outcome so far is that wherever you're coming from, you still have the same, you know, challenges, especially being a woman navigating your career. and not to say that everybody has the same challenges, but yeah, it's it's quite interesting to see um the similarities and also the complexities around navigating a career in a country that you're not originally from or to.
0: What percentage of your clients would you say are working from home? good question not that many
1: because most of my clients are full-time employee so I would say
0: maybe 10 to 15 percent. okay I mean a lot of full-time employees work from home as well
1: correct that's right but the the client that I do work with still have an office and still uh have a team to manage and they just enjoy going to
0: the office being with their teams And what are some of the common challenges that you're finding a lot of your clients are facing? Common challenges,
1: I would definitely say uh, self-confidence in the sense that feeling that what they have to say is not necessarily something that other people want to hear or not feeling comfortable enough to speak it out loud and being comfortable by saying that message out loud uh they usually have fantastic ideas they usually have you know um propositions to shift things around but they just don't feel 100 comfortable about expressing out loud those ideas or even you know when they're going through the interview process not necessarily feeling comfortable about speaking out about what they want you know and i always say an interview is a two-way street right it's as much for the company to know if you're the right fit as to you to decide whether or not this company is the right fit so Yeah, I would say this is one of the main challenges, like speaking, essentially speaking your truth and tell the rest of the world what you want and deserve, because anybody deserves to actually say what they truly want. I mean, you might not get it, but at least, you know, you'll be truly intentional about speaking out loud to the rest of the world.
0: What is it that you are after? And I suppose that goes into negotiating salaries and things, too.
1: A hundred percent, you know, the whole like going through rounds of promotion, negotiating the salary, um, or even just asking for more responsibilities, um, being more visible as well. You know, some of my clients ended up, one way or the other, put it in the corner and then they're very not happy, they know they can do so much more. So it's about putting them back in the light, whether it's in the same company or it's in another company to actually truly shine. So yeah, I would say this is the number one challenge. The second challenge is very much around Redefining their relationship with work. So they ended up in a position, it's especially true because I would say 70 to 80% of my clients are um, working moms. Mm
0: -hmm. And so,
1: uh, very on the spectrum, you know, some of them are about to become mothers, some of them are uh, young mothers, some of them have been mothers for a couple of years, but still haven't found the balance. So, the one challenge that they do have is definitely navigating the whole piece the whole expectations, both from the family side, but also from the career side of things and, and trying to manage this out. So this is this is a big challenge as well that some of my clients are facing.
0: What are some of the biggest challenges that you've personally faced with um your career change and especially the part with working from home? Good
1: question. Uh, I would say for me, it's about the motivation. Uh, your home by yourself, you're running your own business uh so essentially you get to decide the pace at which you decide to move and it's easy because it's home to feel like you can just binge Netflix in the middle of the day. Guilty I've done that. Doesn't get <laughs> me anywhere. Um so yeah I would say the biggest challenge is that is like yeah it's it's really really like tuning in with yourself and realize okay how much can I actually accomplish today? Like Which state am I in? What's realistic? What I have planned, because I can tell you my calendar is scheduled almost by the minute. So I know what my week looks like and obviously gets adapted. But yeah, it's like, what state am I in? And is this realistic or do I need to adjust things? And it took me a lot of time to be okay with taking some days slower than others. But actually realizing that by doing that, which means I'll have, you know, spike of motivation and productivity. And then some other times where I'll have Less productivity and that's okay. So it's the whole like navigating this. I don't know if I'm making any sense right now because I started with motivation and then talked about the productivity side of things. But yeah, I would say it's my challenge.
0: It works for me. Um, When I started the podcast, for instance, time management you're talking about, um things that I thought I could figure out in two hours took me two full days. And if you've never done something before, you don't know how long it's going to take. And like you said, starting a business, you thought you, know, you could do it in three months and it literally takes years. Um. The other thing for me is um, when I agreed to a project that's, um, you know, if I'm going to get paid $250, I think, oh, I can finish this in three or four hours. And in fact, it takes me 15 to 20 hours. And like, after you've done it a few times, you're like, I need to char- charge accordingly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I Agreed. Yeah. The whole like time management and also, like you said, like when you're doing things, for the first time for yourself as well it's just yeah it's taking longer than exciting. you don't see that but right there there is like a a3 piece for each month of the year which means i've got 12 of them so i, vis- I physically see what 2023 is about as in i physically see the entire year on my wall to remind me of like how much time there is and how much time realistically I can do. And also what's happening personally in terms of events that I want to be there for my family because something that we haven't talked much about but is implicit is the fact that because I've been here for eight years, it means I've been away from my family for, from eight years. Oh, yeah. And so one of the motivation that I had setting up my business also was to be able to work from there as much as I wanted, be able to go back as much as I needed. I literally was in France yesterday uh and uh, yeah the entire week yeah and it happened like a couple of times a year and that's okay I can still you know do my calls with my clients I can still work codingly, and, and that's perfect so work from home for me has a double meaning it's to work from home here but it's a work from home my home country and this works mm-hmm. perfect
0: oh good yeah and you have a place that you can stay when you are you stay with family
1: yeah so usually I mean, as long as I've got Wi-Fi and a quiet room that works, so, like you, like I've ended up in cardboards, but they were bigger and big enough for me to have like uh, a space to hold my laptop and have yeah. a conversation with my clients <laughs> that that absolutely works for me.
0: <clears throat> oh, wow. Okay. So one of the questions that I always like to end with is just, if you are talking with someone who wants to work from home for the first time, do you have any advice? Yes uh or at least a question back obviously being a coach i would
1: say for anyone who is you know considering working from home wants to work from home full time what is it that you want to get out of it like truly you know what what's in it for you what's the benefit like make sure you identify those clearly because you want to make sure that this is your motivation that will be at the heart of your organization and i'm sure and i know obviously i've watched some of your episodes Uh, i think you've talked about many things uh, such as, for example, having separate space, like those are the practicalities of it. But the one advice I will give additionally to those, because those are very important as well, is very much tapping into your inner motivation. Because there will be days where will be like, what on earth am I doing? Like, why am I here again? And you can just hold on to this again and and think back. And I know for me, my motivations um, working from home was um, I need a space where I feel safe comfortable so i can hold those safe and confidential calls for my clients it's very much important for me mm-hmm. but i also need some flexibility like i was saying to you earlier about working from home in this literal sense and meaningful sense of being back able to go back to france when i want to absolutely so, yeah, yeah. any final thoughts before we wrap up uh anyone listening this and again thinking about working from home just uh remember that if this is really what you want, we'll make it work, you know, and it might work by transitioning. For example, if, if you're working with an employer, it might be about asking them an additional day, like think about not necessarily just switching on and off, like I want to work from home, let's make it happen. Think about like a phasing approach as well. Nice. That could work
0: for you as well uh, to get settling into that new routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead of five days a week in the office, maybe four days in the week in the office and one day at home, and then gradually... So you can keep your same job. You don't necessarily have to change jobs if you are thinking about working from home. Exactly. You can, that. but you don't have to.
1: Absolutely agreed with that. So yeah, that would be my final thought. And obviously I want to say thank you very much for having me, April. And Anais, where can
0: people find you? Oh yeah, good point.
1: Uh, I usually hang around on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Anais Komat. Uh You can also find me on my website. So it's her code as in hercod UK. here in the UK, it's uh, quite fun with that. And that's pretty
0: much, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me, LinkedIn or my website. Sounds good. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. This has been April Malone with Anais Como. And we'll see you next time. Uh, for any listeners who are wanting to be on the podcast, go ahead and drop me a le- uh, a note at april at dot com, or you can go to the podcast and fill out the uh, guest interest form at www. dot com forward slash podcast forward slash guest. All right, thank you, Anais. Thank you so much. Thank you, April.